Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 44. Right, the episodes are not flowing fast in the summer. Well, and it certainly doesn't help that, and thank you for those of you that pointed this out, that I said last time, episode 41, it was really 43. We have people pointing out the difference? I I had two people who wrote back. They probably listen. They don't just listen to one at a time. They catch up. On their Plan for Life Now podcast. When Jen noticed it and was uploading it to the website, she said, well, you kind of blew it there. Do you want to go back and edit it and retake it? No, I don't care. We don't (laughs) edit around here. (laughs) One or two people notice it, and that's fine. No editing. um, Hope everybody's having a good summer. Um, Before we dive into our topic today, I I thought it would make sense just to do a quick update on know where the markets are what we're thinking what's going on good idea um so i have thoughts today about that okay you go first i'll go first but you know we've been talking to people and having meetings so if we've met with you recently you've probably heard this um you know we're coming off of now the stock market going up for nine years without having a true bear market you know bear market being a decline of 20 percent off the high now, we have had some 10, some 15% corrections in there, but we haven't had that real bear market. And I know a lot of people sort of have this feeling that, yeah, gosh, we've been going up for too long. You know, it's sort of ambiguous what too long is, but eh, it's just been going up for a while. Don't you feel like it's overdue to go down? And when we look at it, I mean, obviously you say anything can happen, you would you know, any possible geopolitical event could set the market off. But when you look at the corporate profits, the price to earnings ratio, inflation, uh, employment, everything looks pretty good. I mean, there's, there's nothing right. that's terribly alarming, which of course is why the Federal Reserve has been steadily increasing interest rates back to more normal levels. So I guess my takeaway is, you know, yes, we have pretty muted expectations for returns because there's not there's not a big upside, big buying opportunity. But you know, we don't see anything disastrous on the horizon, right? And that's funny because my thoughts, and this may not happen just based on the day that we're doing this versus when you listen to it, but I think it's going to happen. The longest bull market ever is this bull market potentially. Right. I forgot exactly what the statistic is, but we're catching up to that 
people are already saying this is going to beat the one from 1990 or whatever yep. to 99, whichever yep. the the one that ended with the tech bubble is the current record record holder, maybe as of this moment that we're doing the podcast. But, any but by the time now. you're listening to it, <laughs> this bull market may be the longest running ever. And my thoughts when I was listening to that, I heard about it on the radio today, my thoughts were... Um, just remembering what was going on near the end, but not at the end, similar to now, of the last bull market. Mm-hmm. So at the time, well, I was a much younger man, but besides that, I was like, you we were age. all much younger <laughs> than No, but at the time, basically, I had a lot of friends who they were stock gurus. Yep. They basically, they had figured, quote, figured this thing out. And were they did their regular job, but they were also I don't like to call it day trading, but let's just say they were stock well, experts. What else do you like to call it? Well, they were they were stock experts, and I remember being told, Dave, you should, you know, around then I've been doing this twenty years, so around then I was just getting into this business. This was not twenty years ago. This is, right. Yeah. You know, so they were saying, well, Dave, you're getting, you should listen to this guy or that person, more than one, mm-hmm. because they really know what they're doing. You should sort of, you know, so I, again, I was like, okay, wow, I guess they're, you know, doing pretty good. And they would tell me about their systems. They were doing this and that. It's, it's pretty, it's not easy, but you just basically, <laughs> you follow this pattern and this is what's been going on so far. And it just can't really, right. you know, I, I, you know, I'll stop. When things start going down, I guess at some point they will, but this is really how it works. These were the the yeah. basically um, amateur experts. Well, I'm sure we'll everybody has some the story, you know, similar to that. And then you had, you know, the 2001 thing happen. But I just feel like we're in that, I would call it a, an era of complacency and maybe for some people intellectual complacency about what's going on yeah. if, if the market keeps going up and up you're gonna see stocks go up if you're an individual stocks they're going up if you're doing mutual funds or etfs they're going up mm-hmm. that it, it, the mind starts to get complacent even though part of the mind realizes at some point it's going to go down but the memory of 2008 continues to fade mm-hmm. and this complacency is the only that's the word that comes to my mind is is going to sink in more and more, and I think the real the if I would add another word which I think will help everybody if you were to listen to this podcast five years from now, okay, seven years from now maybe this will really ring true. Evergreen, but hopefully really instead of complacency, we'll continue to to think about the word humility. Okay, it's a very humbling thing these markets. <laughs> so that was what I was thinking as we're reaching this greatest bull market of all time, as far as duration. It, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that last word, humility, there, and then you're telling your story about you know people telling you these trading methods and all this in the late '90s, and, and like I was interjecting there, a lot of people probably remember being at parties or being at you know talking to friends and relatives, having similar similar conversations. Um, what I wanted to talk about today was this article I sent you a couple weeks ago, and it was titled The Half-Life of Investment Strategies. And it was basically um, some excerpts and some examples from a book. I haven't read the book yet. It's on my list of books I want to read, but it's The Half-Life of Facts, Why Everything We Know Has an Expiration Date. And they start off talking about how 
you know, if you went to school 30 or 40 years ago, you were taught that dinosaurs were these reptilian-like creatures. They were slow. They were cold-blooded. Nowadays, more researchers think, no, they, they probably were more bird-like. They probably had feathers. They probably had multicolored, you know, uh, skin or whatever you want to call it. So that, that's completely changed. Or if you went to science class, you learned about 106 elements back in the 70s. Nowadays, there's 12 more elements, right? They've discovered these new things. And they take this example that, that we've all dealt with to the world of finance. And I thought this was interesting because very much in the context of you know what you were describing, oh, I, I've got this guy, he's figured out this trading system and all you have to do is you buy here and you sell here and then you put up you know, collars and spreads right. and... If, if any of you out there have traded options, you know what I'm talking about. These are very esoteric financial instruments. And <laughs> I've said this before, but you know, in this article, he says the same thing. All of these things work until they don't work. right? And he goes through these examples in the financial world. And this is a, a good one that's pretty fairly recent. Does anybody out there remember high-frequency trading? I, you're going to have to remind me what it is because I certainly because remember the phrase. It has faded from consciousness. Michael Lewis, um, who you know writes all these fantastic books, you know The Big Short, uh, Liars Poker, The Boomerang Effect, uh, Moneyball. You know he wrote one. I think it was called Flash Boys about high frequency traders, and the basic idea was that these people have computer algorithms that will trade stocks. And Dave, you're trading a stock from your desk here in your office. And you're, how many miles away are you from New York City? Right, uh, A couple hundred miles, Yeah, right? Their computers are situated a mile away from New York City. So basically what they're, they're doing is you put in a trade order. They see, ooh, Dave Murray wants to buy this stock. Let's get in ahead of him. And buy it first right. and make him now. Pay I completely a bit remember more. this because I right. remember reading about it. Yeah, and back in two thousand nine, I don't know when the Michael Lewis book came out, but you know, back then it was this. You know, oh my gosh, they're squeezing all this money off of everybody because they're not doing it just to Dave Murray, but they're doing it to big right. institutions. It's happening every and, second, so it's happening quickly. A little bit it, of exactly, yeah. and people were literally willing to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to be on one side of the room versus the other side because they're that much closer to the servers. Right. Well, anyway, he points out that in 2009, high-frequency trading profits were over $7 billion. Right? The market has adjusted, changed. Now they're down to less than a billion dollars. Hmm. Things have changed. The, the, the world has adjusted. Um, another example of this. Um, we've talked about this before, about how research has shown that adding alternative investments into your portfolio can really be a good diversifier. And alternatives can be commodities or real estate or you know precious metals or private equity, all these different things. And this was based on the, the Yale endowment that did so fantastically well for so long well, now that that's become public knowledge, right. guess what? That's... Returns on alternatives have come way down right. and, in fact, underperformed um, recently. Yep. Um, for a long time, until the 1950s, there was this 
assumed relationship between dividend yields and treasury bonds. So they said that, well, if treasury yields ever, um, if bonds ever yielded more than stocks, it was a clear signal to get out of the stock market. And of course, it worked until it didn't work. (laughs) And then that relationship has basically gone away. Um, Another one that he talks about that you know, might be uh, applicable to to some of our clients because we've talked about similar things like this is something called the value effect, right? And not to get too geeky, although some of you say we're already there, um, but these guys, Fama and French, they won a Nobel Prize for this idea that value stocks tend to outperform growth stocks. And this actually still holds to be true, but that gap between value and growth has compressed greatly. Why? Because everybody knows about it now. So if these things become public knowledge, they don't stay the same. So the author of this article sort of concludes with this, okay, great, what do we do with this information, right? We know that everything changes, that it doesn't all stay the same. And this comes back to what you said, and he titles this, humility should be your default setting. Wow. We did not even... They don't know this. You and I don't talk about what we're going to talk about, with wow. the exception of sometimes we'll read. I didn't know that. I I started my thing not knowing what your thing was today for the podcast. Yeah, I mean, and you it ended generally, up but together. you didn't know <laughs> generally, but not to the extent of using that word humility in my off the top of my head riff. Right. Interesting. So, you know, he says humility should be the default setting, and we've often said this before. That these people that say, well, I know what's going to happen. Here's what's going on. The Federal Reserve's going to raise rates, and then Trump's going to do this, and that's going to result in blah, blah, blah. Nobody really knows that. You you just can't predict the future, and you can't even know. He points out an example here of back in the late 90s, uh, everybody really knew that AOL, Netscape, Yahoo, and AltaVista those were companies that were going to be around for a long time, great companies, going to take advantage of this whole internet thing, right? How many of those four companies are still around now? I don't know. I mean, Yahoo is, right, but, but it's, you know, no. it's, you, that's because, well, here's, it's interesting because everything, almost everything you went through is genius stuff. Now, I'm not going to, I don't feel like saying scamming the system, but coming up with intellectual ways to beat. Yeah the market or the system or a way of doing things that's all very Bill Gatesy, <laughs> super smarty. Sure. And I think but so ultimately how do you actually do well? It's more emotional mm-hmm. than it is being super smart. Maybe super uh in charge of your emotions might be uh one way to look at this because ultimately everything you went through says one thing to me. If I'm in stocks at some point I'm gonna be losing money. Yep. And at some point, that losing of money could be as intense as the gaining of money that we're experiencing now mm-hmm. at the you know at this point in the brand new longest bull market ever. If I can withstand the emotion, the opposite of emotion, uh, the negative emotion, without selling out and saying I'll get back in when things are better, right. <laughs> and I'll come up with a new theory. If I can stay away from that notion, what we always talk about, building a game plan that gives me the emotional 
stability and our clients like to see their emotional stability for the most part is generated by a factual plan that says if you're down here here's what we've put together so you don't have to panic if we could do something like that and we can handle that emotional down it's interesting at this longest bull market ever at some point we're going to have another down that's going to be very emotionally challenging Mm -hmm. for uh, anybody out there who has investments especially people who are in retirement or close to retirement that might be the real secret because there are no secrets i think you just made a very good case whoever wrote that article made a good case there is no there's no way to beat the system for the long haul yeah and i mean that's I mean, there are obviously complicated aspects to financial planning. There's a lot of different taxes and rules and regulations. But I think what you just said basically summarizes what you need to know, which is if you can control your emotions, which is I know where my money is going to come from. Doesn't matter that these investments are down now right. because I believe in yeah. them for the no, long term. You still term. need good investments. You still need to, to pick the right investment. There's no doubt about that. But, but once you're there, and there, then we're then right. and then things are not looking good. That's why. That's why. How much of all Warren Buffett isn't? I never came up with one of these theories. No. Uh, Warren Buffett, but on the emotional side, Warren Buffett Buffett is about as strong, history has proven, oh, as you yeah. could possibly get on that emotional side. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, time and again, he's figured out, you know, when everybody's panicking, running around, saying the world is ending, he's going to make a smart investment. It's going to pay off big time. Yep. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll check in again soon. Bye.